God is huge. You know, I like that video. I think he does a great job. But I think it's so important for us to have an accurate perspective of who God is and what he's capable of. Because I believe the, the biggest challenge we face in getting back on track is our perspective of our life versus God. The first part is God is huge. The second is that we are small. And, you know, sometimes you hear that and you think, well, you know, that's kind of hurtful. Um, you know, there's no need to be mean about it. Um, you know what? It's not intended to be hurtful. It's just the truth. You know, it's like if you're three feet tall and you're bragging to somebody two feet tall going, man, I am a giant. And somebody comes up and goes, um, actually, both of you are really short. Well, that hurts my feelings. Um, no, it's just a fact. But we think so highly of ourselves that it hurts our feelings. If it bothers you at all to think that God is so far superior to you, that life doesn't revolve around you at all, it completely revolves around God. If any of that bothers you, then, then this point's really for you. And I go over to uh, uh, the book of Job. You know, Job has a lot of great stuff in it. Job was a good guy, and bad things happened to him because Satan uh, wanted to take him out spiritually. And so while these bad things are going on, Job's trying to figure out why, like, why. I don't think I did anything wrong, but it seems like I'm getting punished and I can't figure it out. And he had these friends, and they're trying to uh, give him all their understanding and wisdom. And I love what uh, one of these guys, Bildad, says in Job 25. Job 25, starting in verse 1. Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, Dominion and awe belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. Can his forces be numbered? Upon whom does his light not rise? How then can a man be righteous before God? How can one born of a woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes, how much less a man who is but a maggot? A son of man who is only a worm. You know, I'd say Bildad, you know, he was off in some of his theology as you read through the book of Job, but he had a pretty good perspective of who God was. You know, I don't know if you've ever, you know, thrown meat away on a hot summer day and come back a few days later and gone to throw something else away, and there's just a bunch of maggots in your trash. lowly creature. You know what I wonder? Where do they come from? Like, were they already living in the meat? You know, like... I mean, it had to come from somewhere, right? I mean, I don't understand maggots. I just think they're gross, but I have wondered. So if you know the answer to that, if you can let me know afterwards, I'd, I'd be grateful. So anyway, maggots and worms. It's like, it's, it's more than just a fear factor food. That's what we are compared to God Almighty. But our world, our society has this so upside down 
They teach you, you got to look out for number one. You got to take care of yourself. If anything good is going to happen, you're the one who's got to make it happen. You know, they tell you things like, if it feels good, do it. Don't judge me. Truth is relative. You can do whatever you want, and as long as you feel great about it, it's fine. That's like the world revolves around us. That's what society teaches. You know why we end up so bitter and discouraged? Because we're trained to believe the world revolves around us, and then we try and live that way and realize, no, it doesn't. So we end up on a sports team, and we don't get to play the way that we thought. But we've been trained that the world revolves around us, so we get better. Or we enter the workplace, and somebody else gets promoted, and we get better. Because the world's supposed to revolve around me. My marriage is supposed to be perfect. My kids are supposed to be perfect. My finances are supposed to be perfect because the world revolves around me. And we end up disappointed and bitter because we bought into the lie that it's all about us. You know, Job was a good guy, but he was, he was really struggling with an attitude. And he had no problem letting God know about it. He, all the way through the book of Job, he's like, if God was here, I would ask him some questions. You know, you ever been bold like that? And you're like, you know what? If God was here, i got some things I want to tell him. Let's see how that conversation goes at the end. Job 38. Psalms. I'm like, man, this isn't reading at all right. I'm like, wow, did I write down the wrong verse? Okay. See, I'm just a worm. Maggot. Oh, that looks so much better. Job 38. So, you know, Job is in another one of his sessions where he's just lipping off. And then Job 38 begins. Then the Lord answered Job, out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. And then there's just this long list of questions. And if you have trouble thinking of yourself as small, and if you struggle with thinking the world revolves around you, then you can just answer these things quietly as if they were coming to you. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimension? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footing set? Who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in a thick darkness. When I fi fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far, you may come and no farther. Verse 12, he says, have you ever given orders to the morning? 
I love this, verse 18. Have you comprehended the vast expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. I love this in verse 21. Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. God has a sense of humor. He will put us in our place when we struggle with believing that we're small, when we start thinking the world revolves around us. I mean, it's incredible. You, you know, you ought, to, you ought to just read through the end of the book of Job, but I want to highlight one more verse. Go to Job 41. Job 41, verse 11. He says, Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Yeah, you ever got just so out of whack that you think God owes you something? You say, well, no, I don't, I don't think so. Well, have you ever gotten bitter with him that you didn't get something that you thought you should have? You know, you'll know it in your prayer life. You're like, God, I don't understand this, and why is this happening, and this is wrong, and God, you know, you must have made a mistake, and, you know, you know it in what you pray about. And God is like, I don't owe anyone anything. Because last time I checked, I owed it all. So that was, uh, you know, one of these millionaires, and I can't remember which one it was, bought all these old movies and bought all the rights to them and took one of these old black and white movies and then digitally colorized it. And I remember seeing this interview where, where the person interviewing him says, you know, don't you just feel like it's wrong? I mean, you added color to it, and it was black and white, and really it should have been preserved the way it was. And I remember the, the guy stopped and he goes, uh, last time I checked, I owned it. You know, when you own something, you can do whatever you want with it. God says, I own everything. You know, I think about my attitudes, and I think about my perspective of God. And you know what? The bigger God is and the smaller I am, the more smoothly life goes. Now, that doesn't mean only good things happen. It just means in my heart and in my mind, there's a whole lot less turmoil. But when you get this upside down, even when good things are happening in your life, you're full of angst and turmoil. It's never enough. I want to go back to Isaiah 40. You know, really, Isaiah was teaching Israel the same thing we're learning today. If you're going to get back on track, God has got to be in his rightful place. 
He has to be huge, and we got to be small. And uh, starting in verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You see, when we start living with ourselves at the center, then we say and think things just like this. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't pay attention to my needs. God must be unaware of all the bad things that are happening right now. It's like, no. God doesn't grow tired or weary. He created the heavens. He's everlasting. He has understanding beyond what we can grasp. Because let me tell you where the answer is. The answer is with God. It says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles and run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. So point number three is life is all about God. If we're going to get back on track, we, we've got to make this decision. That life is all. Not mostly, not half. All, 100%. All about God. It's the only thing that makes sense of life. The only way we can do that is for God to be huge and you and I to be small. Go to Acts chapter 17. If you're visiting with us and you've never sat down in a one-on-one Bible study, I really want to encourage you to talk to the person who brought you today. And say, please send a Bible with me. Because we have a great Bible study series that covers a lot of the foundational teachings and what it means to really live out the Christian life. And one of the verses in this study is called the Seeking God Study. One of the verses comes from Acts chapter 17. And Paul's in Athens and they have. All kinds of gods everywhere. They have this statue to an unknown God. And, and Paul uses that opportunity. And he says, you know, this statue right here, the unknown God, let me tell you about him. And he goes on to tell him about the true God, the God of the Bible, the God that created the heavens, the God that calls out the stars one by one. And he tells him about that God. And he says in, in verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. 
God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he said a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. You know, Paul told the Athenians, he said, listen, this is the true God. He's the God that created the heavens. And he, des- he determined the exact times and places that you should live. I mean, there's all kinds of amazing science about how remarkable it is just that we live on a planet the right distance from the sun with the right mass, with the right core, with the right atmosphere, with the right temperature, with the right chemical composition in the right part of the solar system, in the right part of the Milky Way galaxy. I mean, and you start multiplying all the probabilities... It staggers the mind. But it should make you feel special. You know, I've never built a robot, but I built this little, you know, radio remote-controlled car. It's the closest thing I can tell you about an analogy. But imagine you built a robot. And it had the ability to talk. And it was talking to another robot that you built. And all of a sudden it goes, man... We are very impressive robots. You know, really, what matters in life is the robot world. Imagine being the creator of those robots, listening to that conversation. And you're trying to interact with the robots, going, hey, so what do you think? You know, hey, what do you want to do today? And they're like, leave me alone. We're in our robot world. Be like, um, I made you! I can take your battery out right now. I can unplug your wires. You only exist because I put together all the pieces. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm too busy for that. I'm on a very important robot schedule. I'm in the robotic feel-good mentality. By the way, don't judge me. creator I think you would just shake your head and go oh wow have you lost perspective you don't realize who you are I mean Paul's trying to convince them the same message we need to understand listen the only reason the breath that you just took happened God let you the oxygen that you breathe in God made The lungs that took the oxygen out of the air and put it into your blood blood, uh, stream, God made those. Like, there's just really not anything we can go, wow, so awesome. Did you guys see that? I just took that breath. 
I am so impressive. You know, when you put it in those terms, we laugh because it's so ridiculous. Yet, how do we live our life? If you're to evaluate the last week of your life, did you live according to you designing the breath of air? Or that God did? What was the attitude of your mind? What was the attitude of your heart? When God tries to enter your life and wants spiritual order in it, and He wants a relationship, and He wants a commitment, even that word commitment, He wants you to read your Bible every day. He wants you to pray every day. He wants you to be a dynamic part of a ministry. You know, Southern California thinks, oh, I'm tight with God. Church is kind of optional. No, God designed the church. We have a relationship with Jesus through the church is what the Bible teaches. You start thinking about being committed. Being committed on a daily basis. Being committed on Monday just like you were on Sunday. You go, no problem. But then you go, uh, nah, because Monday's a really busy day. You know, I'll give you Tuesday night. Maybe one other, you know, short slot. Other than Sunday morning. No, if you struggle at all with spiritual commitment, we started to believe that, that we made ourselves. Listen, all we are is the creation of God. In Him we live and move and have our being. He's given us life and breath and everything else. Yeah, the ability to breathe, that's a pretty good gift. Hold your breath. See what your body does. You'll appreciate the gift that God has given you more. I want to close in one final verse. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Paul tells us, Verse 12 and 13, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God has a purpose for each one of us. And he, he's going to move. He's going to put walls. Sometimes he's going to squish your heart. For one purpose, to get you to will and act according to his blueprint. God says, here's the way life needs to be lived. It is the only track to be on. Then you go, well, you know, Ron, um, you know, I started January 1st. It's now January 8th. And I'm already eight days into this other set of resolutions, 
that I made. And unfortunately, I didn't really make any kind of time for the things you're talking about today. And so, you know, this really sounds great, but um, January 1st, 2013, I will go after it then. No, 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 no. God says, you get off whatever track you're on. And you get on the one that leads to God. We're going to take a 40-day journey. Every single one of us should be on the right track. You know, the, the, the good news is that if you're not going in the same direction, then you'll know that, you know, one of the two of you is on the wrong track. So that way we can help each other. See, because for the next 40 days, we're all going to be studying the same devotional passages. We're all going to be going through it. Like in the entire North region, the, the ministries from Santa Barbara, uh, Ventura, Oxnard, Camarillo, Simi Valley, San Fernando Valley, Santa Clarita, all of us are doing, doing the same study. So that way we can talk to each other and go, hey, what did you think of the chapter today? Hey, how are you changing because of it? And so that way, if you ask, and they don't give a relevant answer, you can go, hey, bro, you're not on the right track. You know, if they give you the answers like little kids would give in family devotionals, hey, what did you think of the chapter today? Yeah, you know, I'm really motivated to be a better person. You didn't read it, did you? Well, no. We can help each other. We can hold each other accountable so that all of us can get to God. Because at the end of the day, life is all about God. And when we have God in this rightful place, it's easy to pray to a God like that. It's easy to have faith with a God that can count all those stars. He gives them each a name. If you have more than one child, you will know the battle. I have two, and I still call them the wrong names. Billions and billions and billions. And God calls them each by name, and not one of them is missing. That's the God that says, I want a relationship with you. I pray that each one of us will make the decision to get back on track. That as we've seen what the stars declare... Romans 1 says all men are without excuse because God's divine nature is clearly seen from what has been made. Even the atheist will bow the knee and say, you're right, God. You gave me all the proof I needed. We got to see an excerpt of it. We got to read in Isaiah 40. Let's be men and women of great faith as we embark on our journey to get back on track. Amen. Let's stand as we close in a final song.